I'm Marilyn Kapp, and I really appreciate this opportunity to tell my story. When I was two and a half years old, I watched my grandfather pass out of his body. And it wasn't a frightening thing at all. It just seemed like the most normal thing in the world. He got up in the morning, he shaved and got dressed as he always did. And then he did something unusual for him. He went and he lied back down on the bed. And so I was curious and I walked up to the bed to see why he was doing that. And then he was rising up out of his body. It was it was amazing. He just seemed like he was floating up out of his body, like there were two of him. His body was lying there, but I was watching him float upward. And as he was rising up, he turned and he waved at me and he said, I'll be back. And he did come back. So I was never frightened. It never scared me. And I really didn't understand the whole transition thing, of course, at that age, because he was back and we continued to play and have our relationship. Time went by and I would tell my parents or my brother what he had to say. And everyone was very accepting. And one day my mother asked what he had to say. She had a question for him. And I was rather surprised. I I asked, well, why don't you ask him? And she explained that though she could feel him close by, she knew when he was near and she could feel his love and protection, she didn't see him the same way I did and she didn't hear him the way I did. So I thought, okay, that makes sense. And so she would ask me once in a while and I would channel, I later learned as an adult, the word is channel. I didn't know what it was back then, but I would ask him and he would tell me. But at the same time, As I got older, I began to miss him in terms of the physical form. You know, I was seeing him a little less often. He was always there if I needed him, but it wasn't quite the same. And I missed him the way he was in the physical, but yet I still knew he was near. And it was a little confusing, And but I I didn't really know what to do with that reality. So... I got older and I was still comfortable with being able to see and hear people. But as I got older and started leaving the house and and going to school, I would sometimes hear things and see things that were confusing. And I learned pretty quickly to not share that because people thought I was weird or crazy or whatever. And that led to bullying and all the stuff that comes with that. So I learned to keep it under wraps. And Of course, now as an adult, it makes me think of all the ways that we are unusual and unique, and yet we're afraid of those things inside us. And we grow up and realize that the things that maybe we try to hide are our best assets. You know, it's it's such an amazing thing to look back at it from this point in time. So as time went on, I tried to suppress it. When I was a teenager, I found it a little scary, so I tried to suppress it. And it worked for the most part, but not all the time. In college, I was fortunate to study with future Nobel Prize winner and author Elie Wiesel. And when he would come in and he would teach, I would see a whole group of -of out-of-body people around him, always, every time. And I would talk to him about it, and he ended up mentoring me and helping me to understand that this was really something that could be used to help people. I didn't need to be afraid of it. He assured me that it wasn't an affront to any religion if you use it for healing purposes and you ask God to guide you. And so I, at that point, I finally became comfortable with it. And of course, my mom was still right by my side and, and reassuring me along with the rest of the family. 
and it's it it started to bloom. I wasn't so afraid anymore. And Professor Wiesel was so kind. I went to graduate school elsewhere. I'm from Boston. This was at Boston University. And I went to Emerson for a master's. And he let me come back and audit his classes for years. And that's really where I developed the confidence and the feeling of, of appropriateness, that it wasn't something scary, that it wasn't something confusing, and I didn't need to push it away. So I started to become more comfortable with it as time went on and started to channel for family and friends. And of course, by then I was learning that the name of that is channeling, and I would sit with somebody and I would feel their loved ones who were out of body, who had passed, and I would hear what they had to say and I would report that to my friends. And I realized it was so interesting to me, the correlation. As a child, I was always interested in in being an interpreter for the deaf or theater for the deaf, even though I didn't know anybody who was hearing impaired. And now I understand that it's so similar. I was I was really translating what I was doing to how it would manifest on the earth plane. And I found myself very comfortable channeling for people. And eventually, a dear friend from Boston University, Robin Lippin, who went to L.A. and became a casting director, talked me into allowing a couple of her friends to call me that I could get out there and do it. She actually, it's kind of funny, we joke that she cast me in the role of medium in real life. And they told friends and their friends told friends. And that's how it happened, how all of this came about. And it's so joyful because even though it sounds like, you know, like I talk about death and I'm channeling people who have passed, it seems like a very depressing thing to be doing. And yet when people channel in, they're very joyful. For the most part, they're so reassuring, letting us know that love continues, that life continues. And it's interesting, just as I'm saying this now, I'm realizing the correlation with Elie Wiesel. You know, he I believe he coined the phrase Holocaust. He wrote the book Night about his own experiences. And when you think about what he's been through, you must think, oh my God, he must be a very morose and depressed man. He's one of the most joyful, purely joyful, haunted, of course, but joyful people I've ever met. And I understand now that I think about it that, well, love is greater than the pain. Love is greater than the pain. I guess that's segueing into, that's what just came in. Um, I wrote a book and it's called Love is Greater Than Pain. And well, how that came about, it just was released through Penguin Random House on June 2nd, and I'm very excited about that. Talk about a dream coming true. When I was younger, I was afraid to talk about this to anybody, you know, and now not only is it mainstream, but people want to hear about it. People want to share. You know, when I was younger, if I, if I had a form to fill out with occupation, I would write consultant. Now I write spiritual medium, and every time somebody says, oh, I had an experience, or oh, can I share this with you? I think people are hungry to share all of this. It's real, and it's happening. So I'm, I'm living a dream come true with this book coming out, but what's really exciting about it for me is that it's all becoming mainstream. It's all becoming something that we can share, something that we can understand. And how the book got its name, there's a young man who um, had passed. He was 32 years old, and I knew him while he was in the physical, a lovely young man. And I would channel him for his mom every once in a while. 
And this happened on the anniversary, um, four years after his physical passing. And he's channeling for his mom, and like most kids making his mom laugh, they know exactly what to do and say to bring joy, to bring healing. And I just stopped, and I turned to the mom, and it was me talking, not, not the son channeling in. And I said, you know, it's such a dichotomy. I'll never understand... You know, the the big picture is so glorious. Divine consciousness, it's, it's beautiful. Love never ends. Life is continuous. We're here to learn. We're here to expand. But why is there so much grief? Why do we have to be separated through this physical transformation called death? Why? There's, there's so much grief in the world. Why? How do we incorporate these two things? How do we, how do we make sense of it? And this beautiful young man channeled in, oh, I can tell you why. And I was like, really? And I repeated what he was saying for his mom. He said, we go through all of this and all the pain to learn that love is greater than pain. And he turned to his mom and he said, why do you think the pain is so great? It's because you love me so much. If you didn't love me so much, the pain wouldn't be as great. And she said, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And he says, the degree of pain is because of how much we love. So if we can recognize that as the primary emotion, even as we feel our pain, because one thing I've learned from channeling and just through life itself, we can't stuff our emotion. We need to honor our grief. We're in the physical body. We need to cry and hug each other when we're allowed to and not having a pandemic. Um, we need to be with each other. We need to allow this grief to manifest so that we don't hold it in our body and then end up with some kind of dis-ease, not being at ease within ourselves. It can make us sick to hold on to our pain. So we need to honor and allow our pain to go. But when we really think about it, that pain is the result of having loved and still loving, still loving. So if we can recognize that even as we honor our pain and allow it to leave us, we can understand that if we really focus on the love, if we focus on that, then we heal. And what I've learned from channeling is that when we choose love, it comforts those that are out of body because they're trying to get through to us. They want to comfort us. They don't want to see us in pain. And of course, they miss the physical life they had. We miss our physical life with them. But we can continue with something that's new and different, and it might not be what we wanted and certainly isn't what we, what we hoped it would be for a longer time. But we can establish a, a communication that reflects the love and continued life that is the reality. And so I look at channeling as the most joyful thing. And it's it's amazing. I mean, sometimes when I'm done ch channeling, I'll want to cry on my own time. People, you know, that I channel for will leave and I'll cry because, well, they've been through so much and it's so hard. But the channeling itself is so filled with joy. It, it's really amazing. So it's it's something that, well... It's it's hard to really imagine that there's something so joyful around the subject of death, but physical death is just physical death, and I shouldn't say just because it's pretty pretty tough, and yet 
eventually we'll be reunited with everybody. Eventually we'll go through everything and talk about it and, and share. But in the meantime, we have the opportunity when we know that they're there and that they're listening, all we have to do, do is look up at any point in time and say, hey, I know you're there. I love you. Every time I channel somebody who receives messages like that, they talk about it. And they talk about how much it helps them. You know, kids will say, oh, my mom always throws me a kiss goodnight, and it makes me feel included. And they still need us. We still need them, but the languaging is different. And what's exciting about channeling is that, well, I really believe, and what I've learned is that we all have the capacity. We all have the ability And you know what helps us to do it? By raising our vibration. You see, people who have passed are just as viable as we are. They're just vibrating at a higher frequency now. So we can raise our frequency so we can be closer to them so that we can hear their communication and pick up the signs and and understand what they're trying to tell us. And is that a danger to our physical well-being? No, it's exactly the opposite. Because the things that raise our vibration vibration is embracing love, art, each other, the sky, the moon, the beauty. All of the beautiful stuff on the earth plane is the segue to raise our vibration, which is great for our health, but that opens us up to be able to hear and see. So I feel so excited about living my dream where I'm no longer hiding what I do, but I get to share it and hopefully not just share it, but be a catalyst to point out and empower that all of us have this capability. All of us can do it. And it all starts with just looking up and saying hello, saying I love you, or if there's something to forgive or ask forgiveness, just doing it. That's always available to us. So that's pretty exciting. That's pure joy to me. That helps balance out a world that can be hard sometimes. And it's really all about love. And what I've learned is that love really, really is greater than pain. Thank you for letting me share this. Bye-bye. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time.